started recording so we don't miss any nonsense. Yeah, it's been a little while since we've done a state of play. It is. Uh, it's because we're so busy watching completely shash movies. Um, but we're not going to talk about movies today. We're going to talk about games. And what I've done, a little bit different from my my side of things, is mm. I've decided this. what I'm doing is, although I obviously play my games in in the games room in the collection, I've decided to kind of go through them and, and turn them into sort of mini reviews f- for State of Play. So I've got right. like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven actual modern games I've played on Game Pass and you know modern consoles. But then I've also got one, two, three, four, five, six mini retro reviews of, um, and these are pretty much all Japanese Sega Saturn games. And, uh, <laughs> and what else would they be really? <laughs> a couple of PS2 and uh, PAL Saturn games. But uh, yeah, so I've got a few. What, what's have, have you? How's your gaming been going in the last few few weeks? It's. Uh, I mean, I've been consistently gaming, but haven't really jumped about too many titles. So, I've I've got one, two, three, four, five, about six, um, including Duke Nukem 3D, which of course we've both been playing. And oh yes, playing of course. Again. Yeah, yes, <laughs> later on, I believe the term yes. is. <laughs> um, so so uh, yeah, uh, what games have you got then? Go on, because I'll let you go first. I've got. Uh, I have got Streets of Rage Two, which I played through again. Nice. Good. Uh, I've got Grid Autosport. Nice. I have got uh, Bioshock, Bioshock Two, Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did. I, I did spot even playing those. Um, I've got Crosscode on the PS4, Mario Kart Eight on Switch, which Excellent. is a, an unusual one for me, which I'm looking forward to talking about. Uh, East Memories of Cell Setter, uh, which is a 2012 Vita release, recently re-released on PS4, and Stream Arcade. So that's kind of a, a you know a, 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 an actual arcade website as opposed mm. to a game, uh, and then Strange Brigade in the PS4, Far Cry 5 on Xbox, and Sea of Thieves on Xbox. And then moving on to the retro side of things, we've got Side Pocket 2, Wangam Dead Heat and Arrange, Tant R Puzzle and Action, Hardcore 4x4, PGA Golf on 97, and The Shield. So. It's an action. It's quite nice actually, because with the um, when we, when we tend to do the Kino Kingdom stuff, you you tend to be you know weighted more towards you. But this this is my time. This is your moment <laughs> to shine. <laughs> so, shall I kick off with one or two to sort of even things out? Yeah, sure. If that's cool. Um, well, I, the most recent one I've played on this list is is Crosscode, which was uh, it's a, a game that was released on PC and early access, I think, in two thousand and twelve. And it's uh, it's God, sort of a, it's got a, yeah yeah it's it was it was on it doesn't know but it was really like it was in early access for a long time and it's right. got a real really sort of dedicated fan base and they kept on adding and adding and adding to it and yes. that really comes across in a good way in, in the finished product and it's nice mm-hmm. actually to have a game that's it kind of reminded me of Streets of Rogue where you play a game that has clearly had like a really healthy. Um, like healthy fan support and financial support and the developers have been really on the ball with things and taking things into account and and then when it is released and you jump in having no knowledge of it you think oh this is actually a really well designed you can kind of see the love that's gone into it yes so i've so, played i've played this for maybe an hour or so oh, okay on game pass but i stopped playing because i liked it so much i was thinking i want to play this on switch so i've just been <laughs> waiting for it to come out on switch good so, i love it so much i want to play it on a different console yeah so uh, uh well I'm, I'm keen to hear what you what you felt about it if it retains that quality of the first hour or so 
Yeah, so so the the game is this is the setting is it's set in sort of a like a virtual MMORPG. So you play uh, an avatar of of a character called uh, Leah who doesn't really she has no memory of existing outside of the game as a real person. So you're gui- guided by someone called Sergey Asimov, subtle gag there, um, who kind of is is a person in the real world dictating what you're supposed to be doing in this digital world because you're not only exploring the games with this this rpg but you're also tr- sort of trying to solve the mystery of like why you have no memory and what what wh- why you're so different from everyone else so you play a character called a spheromancer who has like you know melee and ranged attacks and it's presented in kind of a like a secret of mana way like a top-down yeah uh, top-down sort of 16-bit RPG, but this isn't one of those games where it's it's like, oh, this could have run on the original, this is a lost SNES classic or whatever. Mm. It clearly couldn't run like it does on the SNES. It's got this amazingly catchy music um, in all the sort of hub towns you go to. And it's sort of split into three parts. You've got the sort of hub town where you can speak to NPCs and get quests, and you also see other players obviously not players because it's a single player game, but running around, which is quite a nice little touch as if they're on their own little adventures. And then you have the in-between sections where you can sort of go to the plains and the mountains and the, and whilst there are the quests there, that's kind of the sort of slightly grindy part where you, you know, you get your, you do your exploration, you find secret caves and stuff. And then there's the third part, which is the more sort of cerebral section of the game, which doesn't come in until about six or seven hours in. And they're like the the dungeons and the dungeon puzzles. I absolutely adored because it's not like, it's not like, oh, this the combat is so good and so like sort of balletic and flexible and, and tight. And you're like, this is awesome. And there's like an auto jump system, which is quite nice, where you kind of, when you hit, hit get to a ledge, you can climb or leap off you just automatically do it so you it takes away that kind of you know you just in those games where you're not sure where you can go so you just end up jumping at everything seeing yes. if you can get up it so that that's wrong, which is nice all oh, right but um but yeah, when you go in the dungeons they're like it reminded me of alundra where you go into a room mm. and there's like eight switches a boulder and like a torch and you're yes. like right and then when you get it going it's genuinely satisfying to work yes. out the puzzles i remember lundra being like the fraction ones as well rupert so you'll be you'll be loving that <laughs> yeah i i think i got to that stage where i was bouncing light around and stuff and it, it it ramps up pretty quick but i remember well at least the part that i played um it it never gets to the point where it's like like tediously difficult when you just look at a puzzle and you think I can't even be bothered, but because it, it just it it has that perfect difficulty curve where it just like invites you to try things out, and it's like right, I'm almost there. I just need to try it this way, and you will always work it out. On yeah, your own accord. Absolutely, it tickled me because I I must admit that when I first played the game, I was completely baffled by the menu system, and and it's like okay, this is the equipment you can have. This is the menu to contact people in the game that you meet that you can unlock as sort of helpful avatars. These are the circuit menus that are like the sort of skill branches. Mm. But then you, ho- how do I get to the map? Well, you hold down L2 and there's a quick menu of four, of four things, but it's not really a quick menu. It's a separate menu because those things you can't access in your main menu. And I was like, oh, hang on now. And then when I was doing all the side quests, it, they kind of, um, I didn't realize they were sort of um, set up by level. So of course you go into a town and someone says, oh yeah, can you go and, um, can you go and pick up my fags off the floor? And you're like, yeah. And then you go there and get killed in one hit by a boar and you're like, oh, it's level 20 and I'm level four. So, <laughs> But what I will say is, although the kind of, um, much like in The Witcher, really, the, the levels are sort of set up to like, you know, it's like a rough guide because yes. I got into a duel with someone and 
they they initially said to me, oh, you might want to level up a bit. So I did. And when I came back, they said, oh, yeah, you seem ready. And I lost. I had my ass kicked because I was too much on the attack and not on the defense because it is that sort ah. of that kind of nice and, and subtle. But then I went into a mine and they said, oh, you're supposed to be like have your stats around 60. And I was around 45 to 50. And I kind of went in and I kind of managed to do it because I was like, right, I know I'm the odds are against me and I had to focus more. And, and it was really satisfying. But again, if I couldn't do it, just shoot off. You can save whenever you want. Shoot off. Do a few other quests and come back when you're more prepared. It just feels really, really well balanced. Well, that's quite, um, in a way, that's quite an MMO like like uh, system in itself, isn't it? Really, the idea that you can go off and do these quests, but they're too high level, sort of thing. So you have yeah. to do other stuff in order to level up, which can be tedious. But if the game is fun and it's got variety, then it's fine. It's got quite a. It's quite it, the the way that the dialogue is presented is is quite nice and lighthearted as well because you start off as a mute due to like a glitch in the system sort of thing, and Sergey kind of adds words like hi, Leah, bye, oh, yeah, and so it it leads to these kind of nice little moments when people are asking like quite complex questions and like the portraits the the portraits come up as like you know character animations and she's kind of like frowning slightly or like shrugging like I can't speak, and it's it's quite it's not the irritating way it's quite like endearing you know, she seems right. like quite a nice character so yeah I, I'm really liking it I'm about again. The fact that I played it for about eight hours and then I got to a dungeon, they said, right, this is the first dungeon. I thought, bloody hell. <laughs> so it gives you, because I looked on on the um, developer's website and they said the game is between 30 and 80 hours long. Ooh. And and you can see why, yeah, you could just go through the story, but there's so much to do otherwise. So yeah. it, it's it's really nice. It's a really nice game. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be getting that <laughs> and playing it properly oh, i'm definitely going to be getting that and putting it on a shelf sealed <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah that sounds good that's, i'm glad it i'm glad it retains that quality of the first act yeah well like i said i'm about 10 to 12 hours in and i i still feel like i'm kind of it, I, it's still opening up sort of thing so it's, that's really nice and the second one i'll do before we you check in one of yours because i know you've played a lot of this is mario kart 8 yes um, i have played some of like, that i, I I've held for years onto the fact that Sonic Racing Transformed is a better game than any of the Mario Kart games, just because I just found it like, especially when I played it on the on the PS4, it was really fluid, and I like the fact that you could, you know, the music is amazing. I'm much more familiar with the Sega, the characters in the Sonic series than than Mario, really, from my, my own sort of gaming, and I just really clicked with it, and I I loved the fact that it was like a really hips deep single player mode full of unlockables and my trousers were just on fire the whole time i was playing it and i would still i would agree that tr- sonic and player. all-stars racing transferred transferred transformed <laughs> um is uh, a better single player experience overall i think it's just yeah. they, they all are actually because there's a new one wasn't there sega racing, racing. i will play it or something. the new one yeah and um and again, yeah, the, like the single player, because it has different challenges and stuff like that, you know, yeah. like drift challenges and stuff. So it's a bit more involving as a single player experience. Anyway, Mario Kart 8, yes. Um, I've just touched a box with my foot. And I don't know if you can hear that. It's set off one of Phase LCD games. <laughs> if you can hear that bleeping in the background, really irritating. Um, oh, you know, that's not going to stop now. Um, so... Yeah, so back to that. Yeah, so Mario Kart 8, well, basically what happened was FaZe, because we haven't seen FaZe friends for a while, they said, oh, do you want to play a game online? 
we're big fans of Mario Kart 8. And then when I went on to um, her friend's kind of Switch profile and saw they played it for over like 250 hours, I thought, yeah, you are you are fans of Mario Kart 8, I can see. So, of course, I said to fit. I kind of know the gist. I really liked when you open the box to Mario Kart 8, and I've got it here, actually, next mm. to me. Is You open it up, and it's just got the instructions on it in four panels. Like, yeah. I love that. I love that they've completely stripped down the simplicity to that level yeah. after like eight iterations of the game. Um, so, I was, anyway... I, I said to Faye, look, we'll play it for a few days. Get because you know you're unlocking um, unlocking parts oh, yeah, of the cars. Yeah. Any game you can unlock stuff is amazing, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, so instant ten out of ten. So I was playing it with Faye, and we were like, and Faye's never really played a Mario Kart game, and, and of course it's so simple. You pick it up, that it's instantly yeah. kind of fun. And when we played online, and although we kind of tended to lose a lot of the time to her friends because they played it so much. Yeah. It was still it was never it was very rarely they just shot off into the distance and that was it. And again, a key word is the balance. And I don't yeah. think I've ever played a game as well balanced as that. Um it and is, it, it, it is constantly so clever, isn't it? Yeah. it's it really keeps you involved. Like there were times when I was more um of a skill level to Faye than to her friends by by like a long shot. And but then even just the battle between me and Faye, one of us would edge in front of her friends and like, and, and they would be really tense. And, you know, it, it, it never felt like, oh, we're just at the back and they're miles ahead. There's like, you kind of think that we shouldn't, there's no point really in us playing. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would say Mario Kart, it's, it, that game and playing it online has completely changed my perception of it. And I can see how much of a good multiplayer game it is. Oh, yeah. So it's so fun. And like the, the track's so beautiful. It's astonishing to look at when you, you know, it's just so colourful, and the track designs are so cool. Um, I, I take it you've unlocked all of the tracks by now. I don't know because I've, I've, well, we've played it in total for like three hours. Right. I, I don't know. We tend to be unlocking more car parts with coins than anything else. I don't right. understand how you want un- you unlock tracks. I again. thought actually, um, that all Aren't the tracks, all... maybe all the tracks are unlocked in the deluxe version because on the Wii U, I think you have to. Oh yeah, because on this one, yeah, there's there's like loads of special cups that are just already there. So yes, so that makes sense. So you've done, have you done the big blue, the huge like like downwards flume thing, which is based on F zero. I don't think so. When you said that, I thought I I did one that was like almost like a 1080 snowboarding thing through slaloms, but oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But the the I think it's called the big blue, but the music in that is just unbelievable it's so good and it's obviously a full like proper band as well i think there's even a video on youtube where you can see the band playing it in the studio and just doing it all live it's just amazing loads of slap bass everything i'm gonna watch that you know when you boot up the game the frantic upscaled slap bass i thought god i'm here i'm ready it's like so that man's fingers are moving um so yeah i was like i got i am i am a convert i mean i've always never minded playing mario kart but i can Again, it's kind of like the newest iteration is the best. So, well, uh, and that is, and that still holds true, really. I don't know why. I mean, I, I get that people would have fonder memories, perhaps, of Mario Kart they played in the past. But I don't know. You like, I've gone back to stuff like, like Double Dash is the one I probably played more than anything because I played that when I was living with other people. You know, we'd just have four-player split screen, and it was, and it was good. But you just play Mario Kart Eight, and it's like, well, you know, this is they got most of the best tracks that you want the racing's more fluid it's 60 fps it looks prettier you know 1080p or whatever 
So on 60 FPS. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I know we've got a lot to go through, so I won't dwell. I'll dwell on too much. But yeah, Mario Kart 8 is, and this is a bolt out of the blue forever, and it's a good game. Just <laughs> <laughs> stop being so controversial on the show, really, don't we? <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll, um, we, we can probably quite quickly uh, chat about Streets of Rage 2. Uh, I think you've probably played this before, Britt. <laughs> I'm familiar with it, yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why I fancy playing it again, really. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did. I think probably because I've been playing Streets of Rage, Rage 4, 4 recently. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, you, you, you replay it and you can you see how they really nailed the balance uh, between the kind of simplicity of the first game and that chaos frankly of the third game yeah um possibly best represented by the music which is amazing really really good like like midi techno love it but yeah <laughs> so uh well i don't suppose anyone's uh not familiar with streets of rage but it's an isometric scrolling brawler uh with very simple controls really and yeah. um yeah and you just and in I think I probably finished it in maybe 45 minutes, an hour. It's pretty, pretty short, you know. Um, and it, weirdly, what a feeling I got from it was it, it makes you realize just how good Streets of Rage 4 is. Because I know from the developers' diaries that they, they basically, their, their whole foundation for Streets of Rage 4 was going back to Streets of Rage 2 because they knew that that was the one that people always uh, loved. That was the most popular one. That's the one that the fans went for. So they spent they spent a lot of their t- early time getting the kind of the feel of the fighting right down to the point where it would be like they would notice things about the fighting in the second game, like a slight pause after you do like a kind of finishing move on someone, like a, a kind of stopped frame, that sort of thing. And they would they would include that in streets of rage 4 and that's of course why streets of rage 4 feels so good is because it's based on the best streets of rage game it's uh-huh. really easy it's really easy to people who say that like, the first or the third ones are the best it's really easy to to explain why they aren't because it's not it's it's like the third one the only thing they really took from the third one in in the um, in the fourth one is yeah. the the fact that when you do a special move it doesn't take your health if you have that gauge filled up with stars you can yes. use those instead, which was clever. Was but good. like the first one was very rudimentary, and it was when you play it now, a lot of the, like a lot of enemies circling you, hanging around off screen, like yeah. reused enemies in a lot of cases and stuff. As in, and, uh, yeah, I think the first one felt almost like it was still just slightly stuck in the eight bit era. Yeah, like with, if you think about well, it was released on the Master System as well. Because if you think oh, about right, yeah. like um, when uh, when you press your special move and you press A, and yes, it cuts to a cop car screeching up and firing like a rocket. But it, whilst that is a cool little animation, much like in Golden Axe where they did the same thing, where it stops the game and the yeah. dragon flies on, it completely breaks the flow of the combat. Yes. So in the second one, they've kind of done away with that. And then in the third one, the problem was not just the music, although it was adaptive music technology, which is clever, just mm. not as enjoyable as the second one. The other problem is that they still had this, the problem of like enemies hanging around off screen. And it was much more um, staccato, like you would come along, you'd reach like a dock, and then loads of enemies would pile on for minutes on end. And then you'd yeah. move along a bit, and then they would stop again. It didn't feel like you were moving through the level. It just felt like these roadblocks were coming up all the time. The pacing in the third one was 
wasn't as good, was it? And no. and the difficulty as well, frankly, uh, was absurd in the third one. Like especially when you get to the to mine the mine, level? The mine yes. can't level. Yeah. And it's just come on. I mean, like in the second one, you get some moments where you get uh, kind of motorbikes coming along, and it is oh, quite yeah. frantic. Um, but there is a definite way of avoiding them. Um, and there's never a time when you really feel that cheated by it. But it's, my God, it's the t- the... It might be irritating, like you've got to time the kicks, but it's not like every time they come on the screen, they're just gang-banging your health down. It yes. just takes a while to get the rhythm down. Yeah. Um, so the second one is is the best, well, until Street Rage 4 came out. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it was quite... It was just, but it's just so replayable, Street Rage 2. I'd happily go and play it again. And it's as much fun now as it was quarter of a century ago you know can't be said about that many games actually so many no. games date so badly but there's a few there's like a handful you know maybe streets race 2 and super mario world tetris i suppose you know a handful of absolute like mega classics which you'd which is still just as playable now yeah and i put it to you that when the lockdown eases and you come over or i come over yours we will play through streets of raw again Streets of Rage 4, sorry. I'm absolutely no problem with that. Yeah, we still haven't, <laughs> still haven't actually been able to sit down with people, have we? No, I'm playing it with Faye, and we're kind, of, we're kind of waiting until I want four people to play it. Um, yeah. Like, I want it, so I'm kind of, I've been, like, holding off finishing it. Um, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, so Streets of Rage 2, excellent. And that was that. Yeah. Love it. Um, another one I got sent to review, actually, from Games Freezer was the mighty gf was a game called east memories of salsetta and i finally settled on my pronunciation of this word because i didn't know if it was like eyes wise ys but apparently it's east and that's okay. the one i've been saying most of all so i'm going with that so east is memories of salsetta. Just capital y small s isn't it yeah mm. um but it's apparently that's how it's pronounced <laughs> yes it is true but it's a long running jrpg from the uh, late 80s in fact yeah we'll um, that there so the, 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 the long-running thing, you play a guy called Adol in the East games. Well, mostly there's probably one or two spin-offs. And effectively what happens is he loses his memory or is in some sort of shipwreck and washes up somewhere and then has to sort out what's going on. And that is it. And the game is sort of... Um, the, the games are sort of chapters of his life sort of thing. I'm guessing um, that the actual dialogue isn't going to be quite as uh, economical or as efficient as your description. No, uh, people, and I'm gonna, I'll say this clearly so um, it doesn't get lost you know, on the Bluetooth headset. They talk in these games. They open their mouths and words come out, and I have to press X to move past them. Um, so in the, this East game, it's you play Adol Kristen, who kind of uh, he wanders out of this forest, the forest of Selsetta, and he has lost his memory because he should really just have a dictaphone on him, so he can just say, "Oh, that's what I was doing," and listen to it back. But he doesn't because it is a medieval steampunk world. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, steam-powered dictaphone. Yeah, it probably still lasts longer than a Sega Game Gear. So. This one is a, a. This was just recently released, a remastered and released on the PS4, and it was actually a game on the PS Vita in 2012, which I haven't played. I did play um, a couple of years ago. I was sent to review East Lacrimosa of Dana, which mm. was the game after this, um, and that was on the Switch, and that was like 30 FPS, and that was one where he gets shipwrecked and washes up on like a des- on like a, a beach on an island, and you have to go on and sort of sort that out. So this is very much a typical action rpg where it's it, it's sort of uh this one has kind of got a weird like um almost like a fixed camera kind of thing that follows you around as opposed right. to 
the, the t- more tight third-person camera that, that happens in Lacrimosa of Dana. But w- with this game, I kind of preferred this because it feels like a really good launch point for people, not just for the East games, but for people who want to get into J- J- ARPGs. Because... Right. It's 60 frames a second, which is really key. And because it was designed for a handheld, it's not as expansive and as daunting as a lot of them can be. Like, oh, like right. Mr. Dana, I think it's like you talk. I mean, I played it for like 40 to 50 hours. And I kind of just thought, I kind of have my time with this now. But there was still a fair chunk to go. Whereas this game is only 20 to 25 hours long. Whoa. So I know it's basically a demo. It's so really just yeah, just tutorial really, no? <laughs> a tutorial for JRPGs. So you you get this guy called um, Doggy or Dogi D O G I, who tends to crop up in a few of the games. And the game, the there's a hub town, and the the main bulk of the game is in this forest, this mysterious forest of Celsetta, which is full of all these kind of weird animals and 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 weird. Um, like monoliths and stuff that kind of give you your memories back and you have a percentage in the map screen that shows you how much of the of the forest you've mapped out and you've got to get to 100 percent. so it's right. quite nice having that goal from the start so you kind of when you play in the game and you like play it for an hour and you start off and you've got like 12.3 percent, and then you kind of go around you do a couple of boss battles and you pick up a lot of items go back to the hub down and you know ramp up your stats a little bit get some funky weapons and unlockables going on and then go back in the forest and then when you turn her off you're on like 16.2 percent you're like oh actually do you know what i feel like i'm making progress i don't feel like i'm just lost in this intensely deep jrpg that could go on for hundreds of hours uh i look at you what was that other game i played oh my god something steel that game Mm. that was split over three games and would have been like cost 200 quid it's 500 hours to finish my god um so it's a really if you like the e-series it's a it's a really good the music is is so glorious as well it's just such jaunty energetic like um this just boundless music that just keeps going on that's just really toe tapping um so uh, if you like oh, yeah well i suppose if you like the series or from the sounds of it if you're new to it as well really yeah it's a really good starting point because it's it the and the, the first hour is effectively in all of these games i've noticed they're not shy of a tutorial like where it's like you'll go you'll someone will say follow me and you'll find a building and they'll say this is a shop you can buy stuff from the shop and you're like mm, okay so it's a shame you can't skip that but again it kind of just hammers home the fact that it, it, it is perfect for newcomers as well yeah so yeah east memories of cell setter um I, I kind of whenever we get sent these to review i know they're not 100 percent my thing but they're so well made and they're so just kind of um nice if you know yeah. what I mean, like the music's always good fun, and and it's always just got a, a it good sense of Sounds quite welcoming. Yeah, it can't always be said about JRPGs. <laughs> this is very true, Rupert. I'm gonna. I wish I have to. While you're talking, I have to find out what that game is. It's gonna really piss me off that uh, that game. And I thought I'm not gonna play a trilogy of hundreds <laughs> of hours games to find out what happens to these high school teenagers. Ah. Um, uh. Yeah. So yeah, and that's another good thing about this. It's not you're set not in high school, school, right? Well, it's not. It's just it's this kind of fictional sort of steampunky world, and you're just like a young guy with his mates going on solve, you know, on an adventure. So good game. Good. Uh, right. Okay. Well, while you're finding out what this 500 hour RPG is, um, I will talk about Grid Autosport. Good. Which I think is the third Grid game. I think. Uh, I believe it is, and I think the second one wasn't that well received, so I think they they kind of switched their approach for this one. Basically, I background to this is I, I wanted like a high quality kind of serious racer for the Switch, but without performance issues. 
so you know you have to do your <laughs> uh, homework when it comes to these things and I actually I did get it because uh, it's got the, the key thing to me uh, I think it might have been Digital Foundry did a little piece on it um, but it's the performance mode because this is obviously you've got two modes you've got uh, you've got kind of the the graphics mode uh, which is 30 fps and you've got performance mode which is 60 fps I went hurtling the second I didn't even I, I think I I switched it just to see what it how much of a difference it made in game and not much really you know it's like better shadows and stuff but anyway so um but what I like about uh grid autosport a lot is it is very stripped back um it's got very simple clean menus uh, and you know I've I've played a lot of modern racing games, so I do like a racing game. And mm. and and they so often try and desperately hard to be very cutting edge and hip, you know, very in your face. Uh, and uh, does it have a sexy female voiceover as a camera swoops over a city while like loads of techno music plays? <laughs> no, it does not. I can't even think of the music. T- uh, it sounds like, but um, I think it was in Grid Two where. It it reached the pinnacle of cringeworthy uh, kind of zeitgeisty kind of um, like I don't know like basically you you would have to you in grid two you collected social media likes rather than racking up points put it that way come on it was it was just a bit embarrassing really I mean and of course it, it it's so it seems so dated now <laughs> and <sighs> like the idea that because I suppose the assumption is is that because you're playing a video game uh then that means you must like computers so therefore you must be on social media so therefore it makes perfect sense that you'd be racking up social media likes because we're all chasing that aren't we <laughs> oh yeah i can't get enough of them <laughs> yeah so anyway they got rid of all that so all the, all of the um kind of progress stuff in here is just for unlocking new tiers of racing really and obviously, you know, new cars and stuff like that, car parts, if you fancy that sort of thing, I don't care. But um, so, yeah, they got rid of all that uh, in this one. And they just, the focus on the, these different racing modes, there's five different racing modes. There's touring, there's endurance, open wheel, tuner and street. And like they, and the good thing is that all the different racing modes are, are genuinely very different. For example, open wheel is basically uh, Formula One. So it's very much like extreme high speed and then having to like just very carefully get around corners without hitting anyone else. Um, um, I so it's like... And then... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the just get out and push around the corner. Uh, <laughs> I personally enjoy the street racing one because it's the most kind of jostling and visceral of them. And um, remember yeah. the original grid? I really enjoyed grid. That was again 60 FPS on, on yeah, PC and that right. having different race modes. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, grid two is a good game still. It's just all the nonsense in between where it's like, oh, just like, you know, signing up with different uh, sponsors and stuff like that. I mean, they still got that part of it, but it's completely arbitrary. It's just like whoever gives you the most points, really, or pays yeah. you the most money or whatever. But Best sponsorship is still in Super Hang On, where the music would be like, dun, 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 and then it's like, oh, 
pizza, uh, the local pizza guy sponsoring you. And we're good. We're good. <laughs> That's what they want. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, the cool thing is, um, I, I, I what I don't like is like racing games where there's no kind of damage or yeah. that's it just seems they could they can put all this kind of effort into making it as realistic as possible get all the like the feel of the tires and all this kind of stuff you hit something and nothing happens to your car and that's annoying because it's kind of awkwardly like, bounce mm. off and realistically like, yeah i think that i don't know whether gran turismo still does that but it was used to and it used to bother me a lot um but in this the damage system is actually really cool so you've got like a a kind of uh a wire frame diagram of your car on your screen and and basically if you kind of jostle other drivers or clip stuff then you the parts of your car um start changing color like obviously it goes from like amber to red and you know if you if you if you're that violent in your racing then you kind of end up just scurrying along like fred flintstone or something so uh yeah it's pretty cool the way that works um and it genuinely makes you think about because in a lot of racing games you can kind of just slam into corners and use the other cars to kind of help you around the corner. If you see what I mean? Oh yeah, that's my that's my tactic. <laughs> it's, it is a key tactic of mine, but you've really got to think about that because if you're doing an endurance race where it's all about, for example, endurance is all about lasting. I think it's only like ten minutes, but of course, if you're doing lap after lap and you just keep on bashing into cars, you're just not going to make it, sort of thing. So um, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that there was a there was a Le Mans sort of mode thing, like a, like an endurance mode in the first grid, and I was playing it with Davis, and he was doing really really well because he's just oddly good at racing games. And there was a moment where he was on the final lap, and I think we put it on for like 20 minutes or something. So he was like really hips deep, and as it was coming through to like one of the final straights there was a clash up ahead and there was like a cloud of smoke and he just went into this cloud of smoke and into the side of a car and totaled his own car and it was brilliant it was such a like a perfectly non-scripted moment of the game (laughs) he reacted by saying words that i cannot repeat but uh, yeah it was so funny just to like oh bloody nora yeah i think he just said correctly moses and then and then he just quietly went home Walked uh, home. And he lives in Burnley. Um, so, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and definitely worth, it, it's it's the best game of its type I've played on Switch, but that's not really saying much, I suppose. But, but yeah, the performance mode is definitely worth it. And it's just, uh, it's just really, really playable. And there's something quite... Um, because it's like a in these serious races you can once you're going to get to a certain level of just not crashing on every corner basically (laughs) you there's a kind of almost like a a zen space that you can go into in your mind where it's like it's just really relaxing just going around these circuits you know just shaving off seconds taking corners in with a bit of drift and that and that's what i love about it it's just very straightforward no messing about, no, no irritating uh, online elements. It's just a game. It's just a racing game that you play. So. It, uh, I just want to throw in at this point that my, my favorite little gag that, to myself that I say whenever I see it is um, the Need for Speed Shift series. And whenever I see it in my collection, I always think Need for Speed Shift Your Ass. Because obviously it's about driving fast. It comes in like a really cool, um, like rubber tire track um, sort of folder as well, which is quite cool. Need oh, for Speed Shift cool. on the PS3. 
Yeah. Good game? Yeah, I think it is, but I've got a feeling it's 30 FPS. And mm. I, I'm, I know we aren't those sort of people who, you know, push our glasses up our nose and, and really take an in-depth digital foundry look at stuff. But there's just something about racing games that they need to be smooth. Yes, it's particularly like certain games, it's not a requirement. But I just think racing games, it really is. It really is a requirement, <laughs> especially when it's like, uh, you know, it's not about weapons and combat and stuff like that but it's it's literally just about racing then you know we're talking about kind of micro changes on each lap of stuff so you really really need to have full control and i really believe that you just don't have full control of 30 fps no well a couple of the games i'm i've just checked another window and you just reminded me like assassin's creed odyssey is is 30 fps on the ps4 and that's fine like you can play a game and, and you, it's totally acceptable but when you play a game when you play a racing game like like i have done in the past on like across consoles where you put on one that's 30 fps and then you put on one that's 60 um even on the xbox 360 they used to happen a lot with with games with different frame rates and the difference is is really staggering and it like you say it really affects the fundamental gameplay so it's uh, 60 FPS all the way whenever possible, really. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was Grid Autosport. Definitely um, worth it. I, I'll talk quickly about Anstream Arcade, which is a... Have you, you, have you had any, any kind of... I've, I installed it and very, very briefly gave it a go. And it seemed very slick. And yeah. Yeah, it looked like it had some cool features on it, to be honest. It, like, obviously, there are a lot of kind of things which promise to have uh these sorts of like classic arcade games like play them in a browser and all this kind of stuff yeah but they tend to be extremely compromised or not the real thing and or just full of ads and stuff and it's um yeah it seemed really really slick they've obviously put a lot of effort into the ui yeah i mean when actually i went straight for 1942 as well <laughs> well not 1945 strikers <laughs> no oh, unbelievable working my way up to that um, it, it, well, I, I I tried this out because it was like a week's free trial, and then it was uh, if you use the code, and this still stands if anyone's listening. Trista Bytes, T R I S T A B Y T S, who is um, really cool, like a streamer. She's really cool. Um, if you put that code and get fifty percent off, so you get like it's a fiver for a month, and I I like it, but but it, just because of my specific personal situation i'm not getting as much out of it as probably other people will so you've got this when it launched in 2019 i think but 18 months ago it was relatively badly received from what i can see because um some of the reviews just said oh there's like 200 games on there and there was like a lot of basically basically like teething problems and it didn't get off to kind of a good start or as good a start as it could have so of course going into it 18 months later when the you know the people behind the scenes have obviously like really taken everything on board it's there's now I think one thousand two hundred games. You know, it's well over a thousand games on there now, split across like you've got um, games from the eight bit microcomputers, a load of arcade games on there, some Mega Drive, a load of Amiga ones. Um, it is geared more towards because it is called Anstream Arcade, much more towards arcade high score based games. Like you don't get stuff like Hired Guns and Moonstone on there, um, although you can play two player on, on the games. You, it's more about it's more about like you know that kind of quick blast of arcade action sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I I've played about a hundred games on there across different um, things, and I really like it. I I think there there are a couple of issues I had. So so like you're playing the games, they 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 they're emulated really well. You stream them, you don't unload them, which can have problems, which I'll get into in a minute. But on the whole, they they're really responsive. 
the controls aren't remappable, but they're so basic anyway. You, it doesn't really matter, you know, yes. what buttons you're pressing. It's like it's jump and shoot or whatever. Um, and they've got a high, like a universal high score table, which is a really, really good idea and something they've really like left on. And yes, they seem quite uh, active, which is quite cool. You know, to have this like universal high scoreboard, which is obviously a lot of people's dream. You know, when you go to an arcade like um, uh, Time Warp Arcade in um, Bridgewater. Yep. You get you get the chalkboard with the scores up, you know, of that yeah. month or that year or whatever. And that's cool. So that it plays out a lot. And it's glorious for discovering new games. Like Faye and I found one of our favorite arcade games on there that I didn't hear I've never known before, but my god, it's amazing. Called Boogie Wings. Where you're just it's it suffers from the crippling slowdown. But Good. it's this like it's just two two kind of like biplanes and you've got these hooks that you can use to pick up stuff and chuck around and throw bombs and whatever. And it's just got like all these things thrown at it. It's basically like a side-scrolling horizontal shooter, but it's got so many fantastic ideas. You think, why did no one else pick up on these? Like when you get, when you get, your plane gets hit, your character just jumps out of the plane with a handgun and just runs along the floor, like still shooting at planes, but you're just really fragile. But if you're lucky enough, you can like jump in another vehicle and have kind of a second crack or jump on a horse and have like an extra sort of hit, you know? And there's like levels set in like a Christmas level and there's a giant like mechanical Santa attacking you. And the background is so busy with like little jokes and animations. It's a glorious game. And if they remastered that with no slowdown, my trousers would literally, I'd have to donate them to an orphanage or something because I, <laughs> I just wouldn't need them ever again. So, uh, and anyway, it surprises like, me that it hasn't been updated. I mean, oh, Rupert, yeah. if you play, it's amazing. It is amazing. It's just that you like smile your way through the whole game. And I thought, why? Why aren't people talking about this game all the time? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so of course stuff like that. I got to play Gunfighter on the com- well, the best game on the Commodore 64, as we all know. I got to play its Spectrum counterpart, which is quite different, but also really fun that I didn't know there was a Spectrum version. And of course, it goes back to those days, games being very different depending on what system they were released on. Yeah. So I was loving it for that. But the problems I personally had were there's a, there's a, there's a it's something to do with the streaming that the um, Whenever you're playing a game, if it's like a, for instance, like something like Boogie Wings, which is a, you know, side-scrolling shoot 'em up or whatever, or brawler, you don't get much fade in, fade out apart from the start and the end of the level. So it's not really a problem. But when the screen blacks out and fades in, it's got this really ugly pixelation. And it must be oh, really? something to do with the way the data streamed because it's not like that in, in the games. Right. Um, and when you're playing something like, oh, I'm just tossing out titles here, Curse of Sherwood on the Commodore 64, um, you, you, you kind of, where it's like very much like a like a, a screen-to-screen puzzler, it happens every few seconds and it's like really off-putting. Yeah. Like this like horrible pixelation and then this thick oh, pixelation that comes back and you're like, no, I don't really like it. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird that it would happen periodically like that because you'd think that if it was with streaming, streaming, it's not like it... I suppose it, it may load individual screens, I guess. Uh, but then streaming, I mean, it should just be consistent. It's either perfectly clear or it's or, weird or that it happens slightly pixelated. That's normally the way every it single game on there. And, and like a lot of those games I've played on the original, well, I've got them on the original consoles. So again, even for someone like me who's like a collector with like dozens of consoles and thousands of games it's still really good to just like have them there you know to think i want to play gunfighter boom it's there yes I want to and play- i suppose the social features the the kind of um high school tables global high school tables and that makes it feel like uh, it reminds you there are other people kind of out there 
<laughs> doing exactly what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, doing the same that's... thing as you. And it's, yeah. it's really good fun. And and obviously, if they can get Linkup and stuff going, that'd be totally fine. But the problems I had with it were mainly that it's available on like Android devices, I think on iPhone and, you know, Linux and all that stuff. And on I played it on a laptop. Yes. Um, but I don't do much of my game. I do most of my gaming more comfortably on consoles. Yeah. So it's available for Xbox, but for the two months I've had my subscription for it, it's I've emailed Anstream about this, and they said, oh, yeah, it's been taken off. It's been reclassified as an app instead of a game, and we don't know how long it's going to take you know, yeah. hassle Xbox. I'm like, mm, okay. And then they said, oh, we've because of the Kickstarter funding, we've had it. We, we, we're going to have Anstream on PS4, but we've no ETA for this. And there's no talk of it on Switch. So instantly mm. three outlets that I would really take advantage of it on are, are kind of not there. So I'm thinking if I was a PC gamer, this would be brilliant. And also with the lockdown, yes, the high score tables are good, but I would love to have people coming around and just doing like high score runs between a few of us on different games. And that's yeah. why I'm keeping my subscription because I think it is going to be amazing for game nights, but in the lockdown, it's it's not the time for it. Yes. So they were my main issues, but it is something I think, and, and from, you know, from having a dodgy launch to what it is now, it is turning into like quite a nice little arcade behemoth with all these awesome games on there. And it's perfect for discovering stuff that may have slipped you by over the decades, which obviously thousands of games would have. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, and that's coming from you who does actually like consciously collect old games as well. So the fact that it's still appealing to you, whereas for, you know, most people who do not collect old games, then it's even more appealing in a way, isn't it? Because oh, absolutely, like, yeah. Actually, this is like a real blast from the past. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm sure there are going to be detractors who will complain about the quality of the emulation and stuff. Uh, it's uh, the, the same whatever. people when you, when you put up a picture of yourself playing like Sonic 2, and, you say, and then someone says, I absolutely love this game. Uh, you know, I'm playing it with my son. He's loving it. It's completely got him into Sonic. This is a special day. And someone says, so you're not using the original CRT, and, and I bet you're probably using a composite cable apart from a component cable, and I can see that's a third-party control of it. And you're like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> let, let people enjoy things in different ways. So, yeah, it, uh, I'm not even going to respond to those people. So, yeah, <laughs> there are people who will be distractors, but yeah. uh, detractors, but that's fine. Well, and and I suppose those people are going to be they're just going to be using MAME and stuff anyway, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, so. until they blow their brains out. <laughs> Get their mother's basement ceiling all dirty. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'll oh, definitely. Antstream is looking like one. It's a. It does look like a keeper. I've got to oh, say. yes, definitely, definitely. And I know that it'll be, you know, when people come around and, and it's like, oh, let's all play something like, oh, let's, and usually like, it's like Jackbox or something, but there are yeah. so many games on this. Like, oh, no, actually, let's just check on Anstream. Yeah. Someone choose a game and then we'll all just see and get the best score. Exactly. And it doesn't matter what it is because, you, like, no one's ever played a lot of the games on there. So it's like, just pick a game, see what you can get for a high score. Boom. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. I did. I did come second on SAS Combat Simulator, the Codemasters budget game from 1985. Don't worry about that. I wasn't going to mention anything, but you brought. I it was first. worried about that actually, but I was. I didn't want to mention it here, you know, in public, in case, in case <laughs> you third or fourth, frankly. <laughs> so yep, yeah, that's my answer, my case. I've got four more modern games before I go on to my um, retro, which will be ten minutes. So uh, do you want to crack on? Because I've talked for a little while. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can talk about Bioshock. 
Um, because I've talked been playing about before, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> mentioned it before. Uh, because I've been playing the trilogy on Switch, uh, and so I'm now well into the third game. So yeah, I played through the first two again. Um, like Bioshock is like full disclosure, it's probably my favorite game ever, and um, and I, I don't think anyone would disagree that is it kind of a stone cold classic, really. Um, and it does have one of the great kind of twists in gaming stories, I think. And, yeah. and it's and the twist itself, uh, the would you kindly twist, is the kind of twist that makes perfect sense in a video game. That's why it's so good as as a twist, uh, because of course in video games, like freedom itself is an illusion, isn't it? Really, like you you can build an open world or give your player options of which path to take but ultimately they are bound by the demands of the programmer really so yeah. it's a really cool like meta twist um so the switch version is based on the the remaster uh and it it runs in 30 fps 60 fps would have been nice but yeah it's it's full of 30 so i'm i'm all right with that and it's not especially the first one isn't the most frenetic fps anyway and it's not really about headshots and stuff, so it's you know perfectly playable. Probably has um, gyro aiming, but I never use that because it's really annoying. <laughs> so yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think as well because the first game is it, it's built on very tight level design. I mean, the levels are actually quite small, and and they're very tightly designed, uh, and because it's built on this tight level design because it's built on concept because it focuses so much on atmosphere and almost like the the kind of first person shooter elements are almost secondary to those things i feel that it it is dating slower than its uh sequels okay uh, because playing all these three games back to back which is of course something i've never done before because i just played them as i came out but playing them back to back it's very clear and quite remarkable how the first game stands out, stands so far apart from the other ones in terms of its kind of tone and style and gameplay focus. Uh, in a way, I suppose it's a similar trajectory to something like Dead Space, uh, where they become increasingly action oriented, if you see what I mean. Yeah, uh, I remember the third, the third Bioshock game being really well received and neither of us really being enamored with it as like we were with the no. first one. No, and we'll come to that. But um but yeah, the first one still great, still really well written, still scary and intense. Still got a weird control scheme, but yeah. And it in it's it it's the only one of them which feels like a survival horror game. Uh, so that's something. Um but I'll let you. I, I won't go on to Bioshock Two and Bioshock Infinite, otherwise I'll monopolize our time. So I'll let you crack on with one of your modern ones if you want, and then we can return to the Bioshock. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'll move on to Strange Brigade, which is a game that my brother Transval very kindly uh, bought for me. Uh, I'm and so sent- impressed that you managed to remember the made-up name you made for your brother. Each- <laughs> 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 maybe, 
yeah. it's not just like a random name every week. He genuinely is called Transvaal every week. <laughs> <laughs> Every week his name doesn't change. Yeah, and then my, yeah. my boss fired me from the passport office in the end. So I couldn't quite get my head around that fact. Um, <laughs> so everyone's names they stay the same. They bring the documents in, and it's like um, I've been doing it wrong all this whole time. Every time, anytime anyone's asked me my name, I have to quit, I have to think on my feet. I tell you what. <laughs> um, uh, oh, it's Strange Brigade. Yeah, so Transvaal bought it for me, and he said it's a game for us to play with my cousin Regan, That's which is actually his real name. Um, and I was like, cool, because Regan's been wanting us to play like a three-play game for months, and um, I just keep forgetting. So got Strange Brigade, started playing it, and really liking it. It's one of those games, and I know it's a, it's very much a, um, a multiplayer game anyway, but it's one of those games that's like, I wouldn't play this single player. But no. it's really good fun, like multiplayer, just because... Again, it's not a funny. Although the game presents itself as as sort of um, with slightly comedic elements, it, it, in that the um, it's kind of set in a, a what ho sort of roaring twenties yeah. kind, loads of uh, you know like adventurous sort of thing, uh, with like a narrator narrator who's kind of ah yes the strange brigade ah what ho and um, it's all well and good. But what's actually really funny is when one of you just throws a grenade at each other in the middle of attacking a lot of mummies and then just someone and then said I've, I've just thrown a grenade at you guys like that's funny because you know it's just uh, why is pure emergent gameplay though. <laughs> yeah so, so the, the settings are kind of like aztec temples and stuff i guess it's more egypt it starts off in like uh, a, yeah aztec temple e- e- egyptian sort of stuff and you you know it's it you fight your way through like a lot of very simple sort of um yes light refraction and switch based puzzles and um and then you eventually get to like a boss, take him on, and then move to the next sort of section. And it's very repetitive gameplay, but it, it's very solid. You know, like the guns, the guns that you unlock, and there's only a small amount of everything because I think the game can be finished in like twelve hours. It's obviously designed for replay value. Um, the, you you kind of it's fun to work through with everyone and kind of bumble along and pick up, you know, argue about who gets to pick up the money or the item from each chest, chuck a gem on a gun, and then you settle down on a nice gun that you're really hips deep with, and it's quite satisfying to shoot. Mm. And ammo is, is, isn't is scarce, but you can run out and have to switch to your back. You know, there's like a lot of dynamics going on in the combat. I, I really did like it. Um, One of the things I will say, though, is I was playing it for a while, and... um. I, well, I think well, like one of the guys went to get a drink or whatever, and I was I just was in the pause menu, and I went into um, it's 30, 30 fps, and I went I just noticed that it said unlock frame rate, so I ticked the box, and it is clearly a better game. I, it's like it's basically a rock solid sixty with like dips down to like fifties when there's explosions, Fine. and I and I and I said to like Regan and Transvaal, go to the just go to the options and and tick tick that, and they were like. Oh, it's just it's instantly much much better, and I thought it's weird how 60 FPS games are better, isn't it? And and the, and like everything just tightens up, the, like the graininess in the graphics gets cleared up. It's much smoother and just much more fun and playable. So if yeah. anyone is playing Strange Brigade, unlock the frame rate, please, in the option because it just just makes it better. Um, and it was on a decent console. Anyway. I tell you, the Xbox, PS4, PS4, right? Okay. So yeah, it's it's a great kind of. I mean, I knew nothing about it when it came out. I remember seeing it on the shelves, and uh, but yeah, it's it's a really fun. Yeah, online... I, I I remember it coming out, and it didn't come out to much fanfare because I know that it's one of these like multiplayer focused games, and they tend to. I I suppose people are quite quick to say whether it's 
succeeded or not sort of thing and I remember it just like kind of like disappearing a bit but it always looked quite fun to me so I hope yes. it's got its audience now when I play if I played through it with like um, my brother and stuff and then if you say I've got it you want to crack through it again I'd have no problem with it it's because although <laughs> saying that I've actually got a game here that I've pulled out ready for when you come over next because there's a game I've discovered in my PS2 collection that we need to play together um so uh yeah uh, yeah, strangely, it's perfectly fine. I can imagine it didn't get very well received because the, although there's like a horde mode and an endless mode, the yeah. main campaign is like 12 hours. And for me, those 12 hours will be the sum of my time with the game, yes. if you know what I mean, because I'm not really an online gamer that will like pound at games for hundreds of hours and keep replaying over and over again. Mm. So maybe that didn't hold the appeal for a lot of people. But for me, picking it, you know, having it sent as a kind gift, I'm having a whale of a time with it. Yeah, 12 hours. It's fine. It's yeah, eight 12 hours of entertainment. Yeah. Time. <laughs> it's really, uh, yeah, that sounds intriguing. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I take it is, is it a full price game? It's not one of these free to play and then you sort of add stuff through no, paid I elements. Think, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, while we're chatting, I'll quickly knock on eBay and just see how much it will be to buy, just to give an idea if people want to pick it up. Well, Stranger Brigade sealed and brand new on the Xbox One is seven quid, and it's like uh, you can pick it up for under well under a ten on the PS4. So that's good. I mean, to be honest, if yeah, with a lot of these online games, they tend to they lose their value very quickly, don't they? Because people tend to move on to the next thing. I think it's good as well. Like the next, um, the next one, two games I've played with Transvaal again. they just games I probably I, well, one of them I actively didn't play single player, but they're transformed and and it's just like lockdown on a multiplayer. You know, it's just yes. broaden your horizons a little bit, pick up these funky games and get involved, like I did. And uh, proof again, like you mentioned, that you probably wouldn't play through it single player, but it proves that regardless, even if it's a, a kind of a flawed game in itself, as soon as you add other players to it, um, you know, state of decay and stuff like that. As soon as you add other players to it, it makes it infinitely more fun. As soon as you add that element of unpredictability uh, and emergence, then yeah. it becomes instantly really much more fun. And of course, it, with that as well, with games like this, where there are the occasional light refraction puzzles and switch-based puzzles, my cousin yeah. is hips deep into that. And I'm, I'm more into the action side of it. So you've got that element of like, he's like, oh, I'll do this quickly. You know, you, yeah. you go in your menus for a bit, sort your guns out. And you're like, oh, wicked, okay. So <laughs> you go and do what you love to do. You love you love menus, don't you? Yeah, you get in there, you get stuck in. You love menus. I mean, you loved it. And what was that game on the Xbox 360? That's something three that uh, begins with an S. That oh my god, I played it with my old housemate D, and I swear to God, I spent more times in menus than in the actual game itself. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, there was three. There was they did like a spin-off version of it. It was like a two D action game. Right. Uh, come it, on. Uh, not Salt and Sanctuary. No, come on. Although, not... let's face it, the menus in Salt and Sanctuary are baffling. <laughs> Absolutely baffling. <laughs> but we couldn't even get multiplayer going. From... <laughs> well, to be fair, Salt and Sanctuary multiplayer is ludicrous. Like the co-op mode in that is ludicrously, needlessly elusive because. You have to get a certain like artifact, yeah. yeah, and then place it on some plinth somewhere. It's like just this is why we have menus. So yeah, you can select it in the menu. Even this, my brother and my cousin again played played Salt and Sanctuary through to the end, and uh, Transvaal said, "Oh yeah, you know, you play this game. And this is that like, when you get it going, it's actually you just need these like um like statues to bring in the second play." Because the thing is, you both play in it, and then it gets to the end, and we were playing remotely, so like we both paid for the game. 
But when I get to the end, it, the game just says only one of you can proceed. So he said, well, like, it's like my cousin's like, okay, I'll do it. And then he was just like, just, my brother was looking at a black screen and then my cousin was just describing the ending sequence over the, like, okay, I'm, being, I'm flying into the sky. Okay, this is just cool. Me. It's like, oh. what? That's crap. I'm flying yeah. in the sky. It's the most beautiful sight I've ever seen. <laughs> we think, and then just a gunshot, like <laughs> the end of Martyrs or something. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's a uh, strange brigade. It's a good game. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not one for solo play. No. Is there no. even a single player mode? Is it, has it got bots or anything? I think you can. I think you can yeah. go through it single player, but it would just, it would be very generic. And again, that's not a, that's not a flaw because I always remember the same things you said then about when you add a second player. Yeah. It, I, I remember people saying, if a game isn't good in multiplayer, it's not a good game. It's your friends that are making it good. And that isn't true. That no. simply is because some games are multiplayers. Like what so you're saying, that's something like Mario Kart isn't a good game because I might not enjoy it in single player, but then when I play yeah. it, it just means it's a multiplayer game. And it reminds me of something Dave Grohl said <laughs> about music, uh, where he said that if, it, if, if you can't play a song on an acoustic guitar and you need a full band, it's not really a good song. And I thought, mm-hmm. that's not true, because that completely, for a start, dismisses all electronic music. Yeah. And, and Dave, I've listened to your album, so I'd shut your mouth if I were you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not true. <laughs> it sounds impressive when people make these wild statements, but then you just think about it for more than three seconds, you realise it's just nonsense. Oh. So, um, uh, yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, let, I'll move on to Bioshock 2, part two of... <laughs> I love this like mini trilogy you said. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't. I was against Bioshock Two from the start, really, because I, I, the idea of playing as a big daddy didn't interest me. Because the big daddies in the, in the original game, the big daddies were the huge lumbering kind of creatures slash humans in these big suits, and they were defending the little sisters sort of thing, and they were kind of quite terrifying things because they wouldn't attack you unless you kind of provoke them and they they did these horrible mournful moans and it was it was really creepy and mysterious and and i i didn't like the fact that you were playing a big daddy in this because it it, it would remove the mystery from these kind of strange lumbering entities and and lo and behold you play a big daddy in this game and the backstory is a bit of a mess really in fact the storytelling in general in the second game is quite confusing and convoluted and it's it relies heavily on these forced mini cutscenes, which actually cause my game to bug out occasionally okay good um like it, it would have like a forced cutscene as i was switching weapons or something and then i'd come back to the game and I would be holding a rocket launcher on my shoulder, but the, it would say in the top corner, pistol. And it'd be like, well, if I fire this, am I going to fire a rocket launcher or a pistol? I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, and, it, and it uses a lot of voiceover to explain what's going on. And even then, I wasn't really clear by the end. Um, so instead of, in, in this game, the bad, bad guy, if you like, is someone called Sophia Lamb. Um, and lamb's kind of belief system is almost the opposite of andrew ryan's so lamb believes in the idea of collectivism the idea of emphasizing the kind of group over the individual okay um so obviously that's quite different to to andrew ryan who had this it's a very 
fierce concept of individualism you know i own the sweat on my brow and that kind of thing um based on the iron rand thing um the philosopher of course andrew ryan iron rand yeah it's pretty obvious but yeah mm. anyway um but i felt i felt that right andrew ryan's motive this individualist motive actually melded better with the player character because of course again it's the isolated nature of the video game protagonist if you like the individual's actions so it doesn't really quite dovetail as well when you talk about collectivism stuff because you play you're on your own if you see what i mean so it doesn't make quite as much sense anyway i don't really care about that anyway because it's the core gameplay is it's a lot more action oriented to the first game um the survival horror aspect is pretty much out the window um it's still set in rapture a little bit later so it's a bit more dilapidated and stuff there's occasional bits where you go outside and you walk underwater but I, they feel a bit like an afterthought to be honest because you never actually do anything out there you're just walking from place to place um, it's just chucked in as like oh this is a pretty moment yeah and it does look pretty cool so yeah fine um there's I wonder actually if maybe those bits were added later to flesh it out a bit because it's quite a short game as well. Anyway, there's um yeah, so the whole survival horror thing is pretty much gone really. I mean, there's ammo and supplies everywhere. Like every everything you look in has got ammo and supplies, and no real attempts at any kind of horror aspect. Um, now the, the focus on the action means, and we can we will see this even more in Bioshock Infinite. But the focus on the action element means that it's the environments are a lot more expansive. Um, and there's a lot more corridors uh, and rooms, which also means that aspect of it means that there's, the navigation is a bit trickier, um, but also more kind of repeated assets and slightly blander level design. So you have a lot of places which seem very much designed for running battles sort of thing, sort of empty rooms, just clearly designed to be legging it from place to uh, place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some of the new kind of elements they brought into it is um, you're obviously, because you're a big daddy, you get the opportunity to help out the little sisters occasionally. So it's, it's quite a laborious process, though, doing this, because so obviously the little sisters that you rescue in order to collect Adam, they are already defended by big daddies. So you have to take down a big daddy in order to get the little sister you then pick up the little sister put her on your shoulder she then guides you to um like a certain corpse you'll go to the corpse put her down so that she can collect adam from the corpse adam being this kind of life force Uh um and while she's there you have to defend her so it's kind of these um set arena battle type things and they're quite fun for a bit because you get some uh nifty new weapons like um these kind of traps which shoot out bolts at people so you can kind of set up like a, a defensive uh arena which can be quite fun but then of course then you have to then do that again with her to get some more adam then you have to take her to once she's done you then take her to uh one of these holes in the wall to let her go sort of thing. So it's quite a long process in order to retrieve Adam. Whereas, of course, in the first game, you just, you just kill the big daddy, 
and either harvester or saver and mm. that was it that's how you got your item so it got to a point where by about say four or five hours in where i was like well i've been doing this so much and i've collected all this adam and i don't need to collect anymore so i'm literally just going to skip it i'm just going <laughs> to skip these bits because they just take so long you know and they take you out of the main kind of quest so i just stopped doing that after a while um and to be honest the game becomes ridiculously easy um quite early on because you get something called the hypnotize ability because of course it's got it's still got the same sort of plasmid um thing that you get from the first game but hypnotize you can basically just shoot it at anyone and right. it will make them attack their own people so what i would do is because it's sort of very arena based so you'll get sections where it's big room suddenly you'll get people flooding in you just shoot a couple of them with this hypnotize ability including by the way big daddies um and they just all start kicking off and i would just stand there and watch them all just fight it out just stand there all of it seriously (laughs) like all of the major battles for for the second half of the game i was just i was just shooting this hypnotized thing and just letting them fight it out and then just pick off the last guy it's it's so easy um yeah i'd say in terms of like the positives um i'd say that the control system is a lot refined is it Yeah. yeah um so it's very much again catered towards quick action sort of thing um the big sisters which is a new thing they're quite cool they're like a a much more agile kind of robot thing again very much catered towards the action side of it because they're doing like backflips and all sorts of things It, it basically they're a lot more fierce and dangerous than the big daddies um some of the locations are pretty cool um, so they kind of, do they kind of replace the slicers from the first game because they were the ones that were agile and dangerous in the first game when they well you still got the splicers so you, splices, um, yeah so you got these different um, different ones uh, you you still got the ones who creepily like scuttle across the ceiling and throw stuff at you again though you know chuck a hypnotize at them and they're all yours um, the big daddies themselves are a little bit like feeble to be honest. Oh. this like they're they don't have I, I remember in the first game like when you first fight your first big daddy and it literally stops you and says right this is gonna be really tough so get ready for this yeah um, in this they're just fodder really i mean you can just take them out uh pretty quickly so <laughs> they lost some of that kind of mystique um yeah and it, I, as i mentioned it's it's quite a short game really but then so is the first one i'm not i've got a problem with that that's it's about 10 hours maybe tops but i don't have any particular inclination to go back you're Uh, done with it now i think so there wasn't really anything yeah it 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 didn't it didn't have the same feel of uh this dilapidated um scary deserted place it felt more like here's a cool place uh for lots of gunfights which is fine because as an fps I mean that's what it's for i guess but that is it yeah that is really all all there is to it and to be honest although the gun players improved over the first game it's improved much more in bioshock infinite so really you might as well just skip to bioshock infinite because to explore rapture the first game the rapture being the underwater city to explore it the first game does it better 
and then the gunplay is better in Bioshock Infinite. So you might so as well get Bioshock no, 2. Really. Yeah, there's no need for the second yeah. game. Yeah, no. so that's that. It's not it's not bad, Bioshock 2, but it's just, yeah, it doesn't feel... It just feels a bit surplus to requirements, really. Um, I'll move on then. I've never played... Sorry if I was a bit quiet then. I've never played Bioshock 2, so I didn't, you know, I've got nothing to add, really. Um, I'll move on to Far Cry 5 which was a game that I actually had, I borrowed off Transvaal to play. Mm. And then I, I think it came at a time with Trump and everything. And then with the, like the game and with the, 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 um, the sort of story, I thought, oh, do you know what? The real world is so bad at the moment. I could just do without more misery. I reviewed so I... nerdly. Oh, really? I sent the disc for this. It's quite exciting. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, the disc. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, um, Sorry, I missed that then, what you said. Sorry, go on. Keep going. Oh, sorry. I thought you cut out. Um, yeah, so I, I played it for about like an hour, and I wasn't... It was the, mechanically similar to Far Cry 4 and 3. And I thought, ah, oh, I'm just not in the mood for this. So I just completely moved away from it. So what actually happened was, um, again, my brother bought it and said, oh, this we can actually play through this in multiplayer online, so it could be a game for us to try. And I am absolutely loving it now in multiplayer i am skipping cutscenes because uh, again what i'm loving about it much like when we played like state of decay is just the, just the nonsense you get up to when you're trying to like take down planes and helicopters that stray for you in a jeep that's on fire that's where the joy of the game comes out you know so um yeah. i i'm playing it now uh, on online purely in multiplayer and again it's just transformative um so the story is, for everyone knows, is there's a there's a guy called Joseph Seed who's basically a you know thinks he's kind of a second coming sort of thing, and he's got he's in this place called Hope County, and he's got three lieutenants. Uh, I think it's like um, John Seed, Jacob Seed, and Faith Seed. And the game is you're like a rookie kind of um, marshal, and you get locked in this county, which is completely closed down, and you're just taking out the lieutenants before you eventually take down Joseph Seed. The game is, like I said, fundamentally, it's just it's an FPS kind of shooter, you yes. know, and it's taken off the towers uh, that we oh, use. the towers. The, the towers. Ubisoft towers. So they, got, they actually make a joke about that in the tutorial. Like when you, you, you climb one and then the, the guy on the radio says, oh, don't worry, there's no others. I'm not going to put you through that. It's just this one tower. You're fine now. Um, so it's like acknowledging the failures, my third album. So, um, yeah, again, it's just really funny going around buying funky, ridiculous guns, having the Blood Dragon car that, that is unlocked for some reason. And it good. Um, if only Michael Bean was in the back seat. And it's a solid game. It is a very solid game. And the only thing I will say is I, I've never played a game. I don't play many like FPS games, really. I have never played a game where you get knocked out or get dragged into a dream sequence so often. I'm yeah. about two thirds of the way through the game. We've taken on two lieutenants and I reckon I have been knocked out or put in the drug induced haze in double figures. Double figures. Someone hasn't played Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, have they? <laughs> Is that the amount of times in that game that you are near an explosion or in a helicopter which goes down or... I don't know, just like trip and knock your head on something uh, and then wake up looking at your hands like all and the screen's all fuzzy and you're in a completely different place. Oh, it's just absurd. It's such a bad trope and such a lazy writing trope. 
it happens in this um, so often, um, especially with um, Faith Seed, who's kind of, mm. she's this kind of hippie. She's got this drug called Bliss. So, of course, her whole thing is she's just, oh, listen to me. Oh, blow your brains out. And everyone goes, okay. So, it's, there was a, when we got to her as a boss, my brother literally said over the phone to me, she is going to create multiple versions of herself. And lo and behold, that is exactly what happened. You have to shoot the right one. But then we killed her and we went on to Jacob Seed, who was kind of the, um, of the three like, lieutenants. He's the one that's like about survival of the fittest and, you know, every man for himself kind of thing. And what does he do? Ah, he puts you in dream sequences. Puts you in like these, like these kind of gauntlets you have to run through that only exist in your mind. And I thought, oh, it's lazy. I see. Yeah, I Something it's so so lazy, so irritating. Um, but again, I am absolutely loving it because of the fun we just have driving around and just do it. Get it? Oh, yeah. Get we got into a boss fight. There's two things I wanted to say that just tickled me. One of them is we got into a boss fight with the first one. I think it's John Seed, who's in a plane, and I jumped out of the plane because it was on fire and landed safely. But my brother died and respawned next to me on the floor. So we would just had this plane above us in this open field and we just like had no ammo. And so, well, but it's not, it's not loading us back to the previous checkpoint. So we just had to, we spent about an hour and a half trying to take up this plane with like shotguns and like trying to find a Jeep with a turret on it. So, and it was just brilliantly funny. And the other the moment we had, which is only a few days ago, we were in a helicopter trying to shoot down some other helicopters for a, um, for a mission. And we were like behind them in this canyon. And he just kept on going down. I said, why are we going down instead of up? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm pressing B, but it's just, putting me down and i said well up his ex and he just and then i was in the pasture seat looking forward and i just heard like a door slam <laughs> and then I, I i looked and i said where are you and he said i've jumped out of the plane and i said but we need to shoot the helicopters and he said i pressed x x is jump out of the plane and i said no x on a playstation controller I pulled up playing on the Xbox. And uh, yeah, so I had to like change seats while he flew to his death and sorted out. But again, it's stuff like yeah. that that are the funniest moments in these games. I remember having a weird bug in that game where I was in the middle of... Uh, I died during like a flight mission. Um, but it, it put me back and it kept reloading and putting me back into the plane as it dropped just vertically out of the sky and there was no, and every time I would just crashed to my death. So it was like an, an infinite death loop. So I had to actually end up leaping out of the plane at the last minute in order to survive. Cause of course, naturally it was uh, auto saving. It, it does have a weird auto save thing. Um, yeah. where in this game, when we've died, it's put us on the same mission that we were on, yeah. but like on the entire other side of the map that we've never That's been. Odd, and you're, like, you're like, oh, okay. And I, I get weary when stuff like that happens when you've only got a single save file going on. It makes me really edgy all the time. I, I don't. I, it's an annoying, it's a really annoying thing that happens in modern games. Bioshock Infinite has the same. And of course, it, it's something that has bitten us in the past. I'm looking at you. Um, What's it? Um, Dark, Dark Side is two. Dark Side is two. That was the one. Yeah, yeah. where single autosave on PC and it there was a bug and it it just broke the game about halfway yeah. through. I've Amazing. never played it, and I and would I, love nothing more than to listen to Michael Wincott. I think I did end up playing it again, maybe probably <laughs> on Switch. Um, yeah, I do. I remember really liking Far Cry Five, but then it's like 
anything after Far Cry Three has pretty much been the same, and it, it and that's fine because it's it's the ability to approach a situation and look at all the different ways that you can cause chaos in that situation and let it all play out. It and that's it never gets boring, really, does it? You know. So no. and, and the guns are really. I've got some really funky guns, and you can check yeah. on silences and stuff. And and again, the, the remote controls when you get them sticky, you can take down cars and helicopters. And it's just it's just fun. It's but the thing they're so formulaic, but it's just a solid. To be honest, it's a solid game, which it should be for that budget. Yes, you'd hope it would be just basically fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah, I think the. Just trying to think of what the things I put in my review were, I think I mentioned um, the slight disappointment I had in the way the plot turns out, because obviously this is set in Montana or whatever, isn't it? It's, I don't know, or maybe in the deep South, not sure. Anyway, but it's set it seems, in, it seems more like Virginia, Montana. Yeah. It's that kind of, yeah. It's like, yeah. So it's a, uh, so it's set in like rural USA. And obviously there's this whole neo-fascist, element and it's all very much like confederate flag type stuff isn't it yeah. it's all very uh it's all very kind of second amendment kind of trump neo-fascist mad people um but i'm i think they kind of chickened out a little bit because i remember it beforehand it having some kind of like uh kind of uh, controversy about the way it was like portraying uh like rural american stuff because people worry it's going to show, oh, like all Trump Trump fans are a load of racists. Anyone who flies the flag is a racist. But then, which would have been quite fun, actually. I would have rather <laughs> that. But in the end, it, it, as far as I remember, he the guy is manipulating people with drugs, isn't he? So it's like, yeah, it's not it's not really a political statement anymore. Then is it? It's like, uh, all right, you know, like they were perfectly okay until he fed them drugs and <laughs> rather than feeding them a load of lies and manipulative rhetoric it's like okay well you can you sort of get out of jail free card isn't it really so, well they're all fed drugs yeah i remember that being a bit disappointing yeah it's this drug called bliss that features yeah. really heavily in it yeah it's really irritating as well the fact that it, all the sound goes wobbly and yeah. your vision goes goosey i'm just fed up with dream sequences <laughs> um yeah yeah but so, a good game yeah, yeah, solid game, especially in multiplayer. I'm having a wheel of a time. Yes. Um, so the final part of the trilogy, Bioshock Infinite. Um, so Bioshock Infinite, I, I remember playing this quite soon after playing Dishonored, because this was out in 2013, and Dishonored was out end of 2012. And I, I remember them looking similar, and it bothered me that Dishonored was so much more fun to kind of move around the world um or even though they're very different games to be fair because Dishonored is more of a kind of stealthy tactical game whereas Bioshock Infinite is just an out and out shooter really uh I also didn't like it at the time because it was so different to the original and but I think once you accept that this is just a pure shooter and not a story about a dying world to be kind of explored and savored then it does get better um this one's set in this floating city called columbia and this guy called father comstock has he's created this supposed utopia based on the iconography of the founding fathers and uh, you play this guy called booker dewitt who's come to rescue someone called elizabeth and so it's kind of like after the first hour or so it's like a it's like a big long escort mission really 
and she can <laughs> she can go around and collect ammo and supplies for you and stuff uh, and thankfully she is immune so and she doesn't get stuck on anything so you know that's a step forward at least um From eco <laughs> <laughs> what was that oh what was that really tedious one on playstation where you've got that quite recent playstation 4 uh, and I think it's from the same people who did Ico and that. And you're the last got, guardian. Yes. Oh, tedious. Anyway, so Forest Infinite has got way better kind of gunplay than the previous games, but then you'd expect it to because it's obviously much more modern and it is really a, a, just a shooter. Um, it's got some. Uh, it's got some skyhook stuff where you get these kind of rails which you can jump on yeah. and skate along them. <clears throat> They're not quite as fun as I want them to be. It didn't they? grab me. This game really, from my side of things, it really didn't grab me. No. I, I still think, and this is a problem I had at the time, and I still have now, I still think that the f- like frenetic pace and the urgency of the plot and the kind of opened-out level design is still really at odds with the kind of underlying compulsion to explore stuff. I mean, especially when you're with Elizabeth, she will... She will literally interrupt us. You, you'll be telling a story about your dead mother, and she'll interrupt you to like flick, flick your coin that she, she happened to have found. It's like well, that's a bit insensitive, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, she blew her own brains out. It's like, oh, look, a coin. Yeah. So, um, this <laughs> there is a cool innovation that it's introduced this time called uh, tears, and this is where Elizabeth can sort of unlock different pockets of reality in the immediate space so you look around and you'll see like in another reality there'll be a gun turret there so you can kind of get her to unlock that and then suddenly you've got a gun turret helping you out in battle and stuff so that's kind of cool okay yeah um it's a bit like the time switching dynamic in Titanfall 2 although i'd have to say that the time switching thing in Titanfall 2 is a lot more fun and a lot more fluid and a lot more flexible so <laughs> better but, really. yes but then i mean that was a later game so you can't really blame it for that um so the enemy design is pretty boring for the first couple of hours uh, just these bland kind of soldiers but then they start introducing some cool new stuff like these huge george washington style robots with miniguns and stuff and um and that later on you get these quite horrifying handymen which i suppose are the kind of big daddies of this world um, but they're quite scary and um, full on. I mean, it obviously doesn't have the impact of that first big daddy, but then what could really? Um, overall, I would say that it's a more satisfying game than Bioshock 2, thanks to the kind of new environment. And I think because it isn't, it isn't in any way stuck between the, the worlds of like survival horror and shooter in the way that Bioshock 2 is so it's kind of embraced that it's a shooter yes and I think playing it you have to embrace that you have to get over that fact that it's not the same kind of crumbling world that we saw in the original Bioshock this is actually meant to be quite a functioning world that is crumbling around you if you see what I mean you're the one causing it to crumble (laughs) yes yeah um yeah and apparently another Bioshock game is being made now so it's okay. interesting to see what they do with that because I, personally i think it'd be cool 
if there was if it was Bioshock Three or whatever it's going to be called was a kind of pure survival horror. Um, I don't know. They could even go back to Rapture just a lot later. Perhaps have some really messed up mutations and stuff. Possibly not have another kind of um, philosophy uh, and politics spouting bad guys. How did, how did the story work for you in the third one? Um, I think it's. <clears throat> I think it's again better than the second one in the but it's in a way it's a bit more it's sort of a bit more dumbed down I suppose than the first games because it's not really about individualism or collectivism this is literally about just racism that's all it is is about um racial purity really and yeah. and it's I like the fact that you get to see the society functioning at the start and it, and how kind of utopian it is and it all seems really good and it really cool and whimsical and quirky and genuinely utopian and then you realize there are no black people around and then they have this horrible stage show where it reveals that someone's been having an interracial relationship and at that point you realize it's much much more sinister and this is the reason why Comstock kind of escaped to this guy in the first place because it would have been I guess soon after the civil war because this is set in the early 20th century, so uh, the idea being that he's old enough to have seen the Civil War, seen it lost, seen the so-called um, freedom to basically uh, belittle and enslave the black man, and so that's when they escaped. So it is quite sinister, but a bit more obvious, perhaps, just obviously evil than the first couple okay. of games. Um yeah, so I'd be interested to see what they do next. I wonder if they'll create a whole new world again. I don't know how many more of these mad fundamentalist dictator type people they can really invent. Um, they need to speak to Ubisoft and get Far Cry on the go because they seem to be just knocking them out left, right, and center. Yeah, give a hoot, do they? Far <laughs> Six must be out soon. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it's out. Maybe is it out in the autumn? <clears throat> yeah, it seems so. They're ramping up all the um, you know, promotion for it. So, yeah, I assume so. I venture that will probably be very similar to the other ones. And that's I, I'm inclined to agree with you, Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's Bioshock Infinite. It's, uh, it's a good game, but not. Yeah. I, I still am a, I, a little bit baffled by how much praise it gets. Um, I really quickly just want to go through Sea of Thieves, which is obviously it's on Game Pass, so I give it a goosey again with uh, my brother Transvaal. And what I found was, whilst it's a very pretty game and a very kind of just fun game, and the, and the, the sailing in it is good. Water and effects. Like, <laughs> yeah, the saucy buggers. Um, and just just sailing around and just literally just talking and you know loading the cannons and getting involved in pirate battles digging for treasure all good what brings it down are just other players getting um, shot to death in the middle of the ocean yeah and massively losing why we stopped playing it was because you just we we've spent ages like filling up our cargoes and stuff with all these cool treasures we found and treasure maps and things and then going back to like the ports to drop them off and there would just be a lot of people hanging around who just like just blow us up and take our stuff and then of course it's, it's like you've done nothing for two hours yes because um, yeah, I, 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 mm, I, I think i played this on game pass for a little bit because 
it, it's just so pretty, and I love the kind yeah. of the over the top style. Whimsical, it's whimsical and cartoony, yeah. and I know you love that. And it's just so gorgeous, and I just, yeah. I mean, if it, they, it was they just need to take people. that engine and make a single or like split screen game, that would be amazing. Just do it because it's. And I, I was already. I played it for like three or four hours in total, maybe. Well, probably about six hours, and I was already thinking this is kind of aimless but fun. But yeah. when we started just getting attacked, the mm. fun literally was sucked out of it with a bike pump, and we both just said, "Should we just uninstall it and play something else?" So, yeah, it's basically the idea of online games with other people. So, yeah, that was a real play. Pity. Play it yeah. to be impressed by. You know, and and play it and think. I wish this was a different game. I wish this engine was doing something different. Yeah, I. Mm. That's it. That's. I wonder I if it say. ever was going to be a different game. It's it's rare, isn't it? As in, yes. Yeah, uh, they are the developers, and I don't know. I mean, it had quite a long history. Obviously, rare, very well regarded. I. I, I wonder. I, I do wonder if there was a, a originally going to be a single player kind of vision for it. And whether they got any kind of like push from Microsoft to say, oh, do you fancy making this like a games as a service type thing? You know, it's, I'm just giving yeah. them the benefit of the doubt, really, because it's such a beautiful engine and it's such a gorgeous game and so kind of hearted. Yeah, lighthearted, almost like Monkey Island, like in its kind of whimsical depiction of the pirate age. And then. But then all that whimsy is just completely ruined when you get some, like really vicious people online just yeah bullying you. So so yeah, it's um they need to just say this is really good. Let's just make you need to improve nothing about it. Literally keep the engine, keep the visuals, and just turn it into like an awesome single player romp or like an online romp that's cooperative. Yes, it's, yeah, that would have been good. I wonder. So is there no like cooperative servers or anything like that because i think that, so no it seems like a bit of a no-brainer really because to because a, a lot of these games uh like online games i mean they have a versus mode or pvp server there's um, but even, also um, there's also there's even when you die and you go on like the ghost ship to come to sort of be respawned yeah. there's a note on the door as you go in that says are you being killed by other pirates if so like go into the menu and click this button and it'll will just like scuttle your ship and you can just start again because instead of being thrown into a battle, you're just gonna. Because I was respawning on our ship while they were looting it and just getting killed instantly before I could react. So, so I that sounds a bit backhanded, though, doesn't it? Because you're like, oh, are you being killed by pirates? Because I thought you were gonna say, do you want to turn off, um, like PvP mode? But no, <laughs> it's saying, oh, you can start again and be a complete loser somewhere else. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll happen. You're too, again, you're too rubbish to play here, so go and play somewhere else. Stop bothering these nice campers <laughs> yeah it was just it was just really disheartening genuinely like a game that i that it was really disheartening to say oh should we turn this off because we're just effectively getting bullied and not and it's because the thing that my brother said was the thing is now he says, as we turned it off and chucked on a different game he said we played that game for two hours and we lost everything and it's like we haven't played it it's like we haven't moved forward at all so and it was just like oh yeah so because i can imagine in that game there must be real pleasure in having a really getting good at the game with a squad with a kind of um uh, a kind of team of people and all having jobs on the ship sort of thing and getting really good at working together cooperatively i'm sure there must be a lot of pleasure in that but then yeah. but then i've got no pleasure in just coming across 
someone else who's massively over leveled or whatever, or has been playing it for a thousand hours and just kicking your ass instantly. Well, the problem is, of course, that you probably have people who play it in large groups. It's just me and my brother partnering around on like a little boat because the smallest boat is easiest to manage when there's two of you. And then they rock up with 12 cannons loaded up with cannons. And you're like, well, I'm not going to win this fight. And Mm. instantly you think, well, we may as well just quit out and start again. So it's just boring. Yeah. Yeah, that's disappointing, isn't it? I think what makes it so disappointing is the fact, as we said, it's so. there's a foundation of a, a really, really fun beautiful adventure there but mm. yeah um yeah I'll, I'll leave my last one because it's a well actually i'll quickly do it because i want my retro stuff and i know you've only got one left i think yeah i was just going to talk about duke nukem 3d so i'll just say that assassin's creed odyssey and playing it through with Faye at the moment and i'm loving it because i haven't played an assassin's creed game through before i've mm. dabbled in them i played black flag for a little bit um and my brother said that was it origins was the last one yeah that was yeah the one he, said, he, Egypt. Yeah. he said he um i think he said no he, it was it was you that played that wasn't it uh i didn't play origins no i played odyssey not origin i can't remember who it was someone said they someone i know said they really enjoyed it so i just thought well again i'll just jump into the newest one and it's a ubisoft game so it's you know very much pot around but it, it's it's a really really pretty setting we chose the mm. female protagonist cassandra obviously, obviously she's really cool she's pretty rupert she is isn't she it's pretty yeah, it's weird um everyone in that game as well all the men look like ian mcshane i love they it. are leathery <laughs> <laughs> So it's just it's just like virtual Ian McShane. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm playing it. And just again, just loving Potter and Run. It's just fun to traverse everywhere and climb stuff, collect stuff, and upgrade. And you know, it's a it's a, it's a, a kind of rollicking story. It reminds me of Jason the Argonauts. And yes. I'm having a fun time. It it feels genuinely epic. I think I played. I don't know why I I dropped off it in the end because I I remember playing it. Played it for about five hours and then. And then it came up with the title of the game. I realized that that five hours had just been the tutorial. In and Catalonia, I did, yeah. <laughs> and I did, uh, I did play on quite a bit. I probably played about 10 hours in total. And it's so beautiful. And, and I, the setting's gorgeous. And I, it's just really fun traversing the environment and genuinely epic in scope. Like oh, when yeah. you arrive in the city and that, and you see it across the hill, it's just, you know, it brings back memories of like, First, seeing a first city in like Skyrim or emerging from the vault in Fallout 3 and stuff. So, you know, proper big epic gaming moments. Now, I have, uh, I haven't played a lot of Assassin's Creed games, but I have played all the way through Assassin's Creed 3, for example. Mm-hmm. And the difference in quality between Assassin's Creed 3 and Assassin's Creed Odyssey is just staggering. Like, really? Assassin's Creed 3 is just a bad game, really oh. clunky. And just it, it feels so janky all the time um and for all its open world rhetoric it's it feels really closed and not in any way open at all or um but this felt like wow this is actually it felt it odyssey feels like a functioning world around you it's it's that kind of detailed well, yeah when you get to athens and right. this the size of it you're like jesus this is actually quite intense is, I, is athens I, the big city kind of almost circular um on the hill sort of thing and it's massive it is i think that must be it's it, it almost yeah. yeah i think that's as far as i got 
maybe I just felt really overwhelmed, <laughs> to be honest, because it's so vast, especially Athens. You could walk around Athens for days and not see it all. It's astonishing. Um, I will say, though, that, again, the Assassin's Creed, the main thing about the, the Animus project and all this stuff, it oh. does tickle me. Every now and again, it'll take me out of it. And I'm like, no. And then it's like, oh, do you want to walk around in, in this like room we're in and look at a laptop and emails? No, get me back to Greece. Why would I, I want I, any of I this? Just, I think they must be gradually removing that stuff as the series goes on, because... There's so much of it in three, and it's like, please stop bringing me back to these boring, these boring characters in this boring environment. I want to be playing, and it's so it, it removes you from the um, immersion in such a fundamental way. I think it's meant to supposedly increase immersion because it's meant to be like, oh, you're really like, here's how you really could experience living in that time by kind of downloading into this avatar or whatever, but. It's like it has the opposite effect. It totally takes you out of it and it, it feels awful. And it there's less of it in Odyssey, definitely. So I think perhaps they are gradually exercising it. Maybe in uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla or whatever it's called, they'll remove it entirely. That'd be nice. It'll just be like that. It'll just be a Viking game. Yeah, please. Yeah. Like, don't please. <laughs> and I'm actually quite excited about that because it's I love Norse mythology and stuff. So... I think it could be, I, I may well get into that. Because it all depends on the setting, really. I think I don't think I was that interested in Origins just because just ancient Egypt didn't really do it for me. But Odyssey's got this gorgeous Greek setting, hasn't it? Across the yeah. islands. Um, yeah. So I know you were, I didn't realise, I mean, you said you're a big fan of Norse mythology, but I, I don't know, there's no pictures of like John Thor in your flat or anything. I don't... It's Inspector Morse. Hmm. And actually, no, I, I'm much more into Judge John Deed. So. <laughs> or Lewis. Um, so, so, yeah, do you want to do, do your... I've got... I've, well, I've done all mine, apart from my Russia ones, which I'll li literally just riffle through, so that's fine. Okie dokie. Well, let's talk about Duke Nukem 3D, then. Let's. Um, this was quite recently released on Switch with eight-player co-op. Eight-player online co-op. I don't know about... I don't know about the local side of it, because... Obviously, can't really do that at the moment. It doesn't exist, Rupert. Okay. Well, anyway, that's not. It's not such an issue anyway, because I think um, it's, it's four quid at the end of the day. I'm not sure if it's still yeah. four quid, but that's a bargain as well, really. Because I mean, you get yeah. a lot of content for for that. I know it's like 25 years old, but you know, you get all of all of the um, episodes that were ever released. Plus, I think there's a whole new episode, maybe. Yeah, maybe they're original developers for the 2016 yeah, yeah yes and um, yeah and uh it's and you can switch back instantly to the old graphics of course realize how hideous it looks when you look up and down <laughs> and then flick back <laughs> and flick straight back yeah so you know 60 <laughs> fps obviously um and it feels good it's like uh, just chaotic gunplay challenging gameplay at times um Really confusing level design. Progression makes no sense. And none of that matters because it's so much fun in multiplayer. Uh, I literally I haven't even played it in single player because... No, I never will. I will say two things that I took away from it. One yeah. is when if there's four of you, up to eight of you playing it, so there's four of you playing it, which is usually our case. One of you disconnects. You can't pop back and you have to wait in the lobby for the next level, which is a real pain in the ass because it's like, yeah. oh, come on. 
you could because if it's the start, everyone either has to say, oh, we'll quit and restart, or you sat there 50 minutes listening to your friends having fun. The listening second to your friends say, where is there a switch somewhere? Where do we go now? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm underwater. I don't know. There's something under there, but I keep drowning by the time I get to it. Oh, um, there's a big guy. He's just shot me to death. Right. Um, the other thing is, we obviously played Blood um, at mine split screen for a charity event, for tireless charity work. And it was amazing because it's the best build game. Um, and what what I found was in Blood, it was always chaotic and there's such sprawling levels that like people are all discovering new things. And you, it was kind of incrementally throwing yourself at this army of forces. But then in, in Duke Nukem, it's almost like if you straggle behind and have a little look for a secret, Everyone else has all the fun. You see, so you kind of end up just walking through, like you know, like you go get yourself a drink or something, come back, and then you end up just yeah. walking through loads of confusing, empty corridors full of bodies. So <laughs> yeah. you, you can't. It's and the only apparently the only other difficulty level above that is where the enemies just constantly respawn, which would just be really tedious yeah, and grinding. I think so. Be, yeah, it is yeah. a slight balancing issue. I think. Uh, yeah, and I guess it was never really designed to be played this way. To be fair, yeah. but I mean, it's so mindless that you kind of don't really mind because you basically just all pile into the level run off in different directions uh say has anyone got a blue key i found a red <laughs> door and it's like and you just and then you'll hear someone say oh i've just walked into a room and it's full of aliens and they'll shoot me and, <laughs> and i'm dead, <laughs> and, I'm dead. Uh, and then and then of course it's got these weird little um design ticks like the fact that it will you'll be firing with a shotgun and you accidentally pick up like a rocket launcher and it'll automatically switch you to the most powerful weapon, even if it will blow you up as well. So you accidentally switch to like a rocket launcher, death, just dead instantly. Yeah. And, and, but and it's, it, you're instantly just, you pop straight back to the start. The levels aren't that massive. So you can kind of work your way back to where you were. And it, and it doesn't really matter. It's not like, it's not, there's no cooldown timers or anything like that. It's just, you're thrown straight back in um, for another go. Um, I also will say that um, I think that half of the guns are totally useless. Like, <laughs> like you get the chain gun, the shotgun, the pistol, all totally fine. You get yeah. the shrinker, and you're like, or like the whatever. The, and you're like, what are the freeze ring? You're like, oh no, these just no. I don't want any of these. Don't want any of that. No, <laughs> no, I, uh, I know, I know what you mean. Uh, but uh, the pipe bombs are weirdly fun to use because you can yeah. just toss them in a room hit the button again and it just blows up everything in there so that's good fun you hold um, the button down you can throw those far <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i remember uh, i genuinely think right that even if you'd never played this game first time around you could enjoy it in its own terms now yeah um i'm n- not sure about single player whether how much fun you get out of it now as a newcomer without any nostalgia but i think if you had a bunch of friends and you wanted to just have an enjoyable co-op experience mindless co-op experience then yeah i think it would be you could pick it up today and have fun with it i think if you had if you played it single play what would happen is you'd be saving all the time because you can just get killed when you open any door or go around a corner or drop so whereas in multiplayer you, you're free to explore and find these ridiculous level design sort of foibles yes. and then just respawn at the start and carry on whereas in single player it'll be much more of a grind so i think multiplayer online is definitely the way to go with it yes i remember using to be honest when i had it back in the day i think i used the level designer more than anything <laughs> building building levels out the build engine it was extraordinarily powerful at the time though to be fair it was, and it was the build engine was a huge step up from Doom 
lest we forget. Okay, the graphics will go a bit twisted when you looked up and down, but it it was genuinely felt more like a 3D environment than something like Doom, which is of course very much just on the horizontal, if you like. Um, um, oh, by the way, that uh, that game that's there's four games in it and it's about 500 hours long is the Legend of Heroes. No, the Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, at all sets, cold steel, right? Okay. Yeah, one to four, four games in it, full price. Each game sixty hours to eighty hours as an average, and it's all the story of one guy called. I think his name's like, oh, it seems like Rain, <laughs> Colin Firth. No, it's it's. I can't even remember his name. It's just a guy in like a military academy full of teenagers having uh. tedious conversations. Um, I am going to, I know we've, we've got 13 minutes left, so I'm going to quickly, if that's cool with you, smash through these retro games. Go is that okay? It. So yeah. this is going to be brief. So Side Pocket 2, um, the Side Pocket series has always been really close to my heart. The original Side Pocket is the game, Rupert, you'll probably remember it, released on the Mega Drive and Genesis with, it's like three different styles of artworks. You've got like a, you've got like a bloke leaning over playing pool and then like, like an old cartoony bloke with like a like done in pencil and then a really cartoony hunk and then another kind of different style of cartoony woman like leaning seductively on the table and the <laughs> the game is like a top-down simple arcade pool game and it's got this amazing like lift music and this really jaunty light jazz yeah uh, midi and the pool for the ball physics are ridiculous but it's really, really good fun. Is it directly top-down sort of thing, just yes, single screen? Hundred percent top-down single screen. Is it? Um, it what, who's the developer behind it then? God, I'm the lean over and look at my. It was it Team Seventeen? Are you thinking of Arcade Pool on the Amiga? Well, that's what I was wondering if it was like a port of Arcade Pool on the Amiga, because that sounds very similar from like the the single screen top-down sort of thing. I remember being really fun. Ah, oh, your side pocket. Um, data East, Data East. So no, okay, probably isn't. Um, so yeah, so it's Data East. They made two other games. The one I'm talking about now is Side Pocket Two, which was released on the Super Nintendo and on the the Saturn. I've got the Japanese version, and it is amazing because it's effectively the same game on the Saturn. So it's just basically like a 16-bit top-down game, but just with like with actual like. Uh, the lounge music is still there, but just of a much higher quality. And you have these amazing FMV cutscenes because in Ooh. I think it's I think in America it was called it wasn't called Side Pocket, it was called Minnesota Fats. So you have you have these FMV sequences. I have no idea what's happening. It's just a load of really bad acting in pool halls um and people challenging you. Um and it's just amazing because you play it and they, it's just the yeah. same. It's the 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 F and V sequences that sort of fill up the story mode. Of course, it's all in Japanese, so I have no idea what's going on. But it's the fundamental same thing. It's a bit more serious because the ball physics aren't as ridiculous anymore. Right. So it's actually like a slightly cleaner game, which maybe doesn't work in his benefit. It's not as kind of fun. But um, yeah, I haven't played the third one yet. But Side Pocket 2, if you can pick it up, it's a good top-down arcade game. Mm. Arcade pool game. I do like those. They just You chuck them on for like 15 minutes and just have some fun with it. Um, that's what they really did with cd-based games at the time really wasn't it take if they were porting like a 16-bit game it'd be like same game oh, chucking a few fmv sequences <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> which is what exactly leads me perfectly into my next game which is a J- japanese exclusive drift racing game called wangam dead heat uh, or if you've got the version I've got, it's Wangam Dead Heat and Arrange, which basically I, th- I was led to come with a free mucky film, basically. 
Um, so it's Wankum Dead Eaters, like a Japanese drift racing game, kind of like Ridge Racer. You know, where you like tap the brakes and skid around corners, or like yeah. double, like double tap the accelerator, double tap and hold. And the the fundamental gameplay is fine. It's actually like a, a decent kind of like Ridge Racer light kind of thing. Obviously, like not as smooth and um, a bit lower budget. But you've got these baffling FMV sequences in them where um, it, I'll talk. There's two discs, right? There's the main game and the bonus disc, and I'll talk through them because on the main disc, it's like there's only two or three races. So the the game starts and it's an empty blue room with like a car in it that you've chosen, and obviously they're talking Japanese. These beautiful Japanese women, and they basically just say something in Japanese, and then you do a race. And if you come first, she'll like sit in the car, and then and then it just shows like a literally a ten second clip of her sitting in the car, and then you win the next race, uh, which will be the final race. Yeah, and then it's just her in a bikini in the car, and she'll kind of like go up to the camera, but not blow you a kiss and giggle, but like hold a kiss pose as if you're supposed to kiss your screen to kiss her. <laughs> it's like right, so she's just kind of pursing her lips and just like wobbling slightly with her eyes. You're like, were right. you? <laughs> did, did she hold it for an awkward amount of time, and you were thinking, shall I kiss her? Should I? Yeah. Are we married now? Um, but yeah, it was like, I kind of thought she was going to go like, Mwah, and then be like, ha ha ha, whatever. No, just holding a kiss as if I'm going to go on the screen uh, for like, yeah, for a good few seconds. And then it just chucks you about the title screen. And I realized that what it does is there's five women and there's two, two, like two or three tracks with each one. And, and they only get down to like the bikinis, but they act as the kind of different track selections. Uh-huh. So, it's a very cumbersome interface, and like, okay, uh, it, 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 it's really grainy graphics, but the, the racing is actually quite fun. And then I put on the bonus disc, and it's just a making of the FMV sequences for the game, which is so brief in the game. So it's just a load of like women, effectively like just wearing like dresses and stuff, and hanging around a car, just being filmed. Not in like it's slightly sleazy, but you've got this ridiculous music over the top, and it just it's, they're obviously just being filmed on a handheld camera from the nineties, and they just see the camera and like laugh or like hide away jokingly, and you're like, mm. what is this? Why is this a bonus disc? And it's about fifteen minutes long, and it just goes through like each of the women behind the scenes, but they're not even talking. It's just this like weird rock music over the top, and it's just them looking at the camera, and giggling, and then looking away. So wow odd um the next one i've got is called tant r so t-a-n-t-r puzzle and action and this i bought this off king monkey who's a good friend of ours on on the sort of retro game collecting scene uh give me a really good deal on it and this is basically a kind of mix between oh, rupert i know you're gonna love this it's a japanese exclusive only but the games are so basic that you don't have to have an understanding of japanese it's a mixture between bonanza brothers visuals and warrior wear wow so it's just <laughs> Wario Wow. So it's just like this completely baffling game in Japanese. And it's you like walking down the street and then someone will jump in front of you and go, ha! And then they'll challenge you to like three mini games. And it'll, it'll just be these like really wicked little funky mini games. I think there's about 20 or 30 on there. Um, some of them, <laughs> I have no idea what is happening. Like you'll have one where it's like, like a whack-a-mole thing, or one we've got like it'll show like a shape, three shapes, and it'll show it from the top down. You've got to choose it, looking at it in a three D image, which is kind of funny. They're all like quick, sh- and then there's one where it's just a bloke who's going bald, and five bottles on a shelf, and randomly bottles will squirt on his head, and then it'll just tell you to choose one. And you're like, what? <laughs> so, but again. It's so like fun and quick and like got that yeah. kind of warrior with and the fact that it's so deeply Japanese just yeah. makes it a joy. So that is gonna be one we'll play when you come over. Good, um, good. The next one is a PAL game I've got called Hardcore Four 
by four, which is one of the worst games I've ever played. And I do not say that lightly. It is, it is, I, I, you know, I, I was playing Mario Kart and I thought, well, you know, I'm in the kart games. I might be in the four by four games. So I checked it on and my God, it's like a really clunky frame rate, but the visuals are so, so, so grainy that it's, it looks like you're playing, like someone's just shaking a load of sand in front of you. Um, yeah. And I, I, well, it I looks was, like it, it's streaming just in, in like really, really low quality, like 240p. Every, everything, nothing's, everything's like glittering and moving and, and clashing. And, and it's like, there's like, this, you can't see fire. There's awful pop-up. All the tracks are really narrow, and you're just bouncing up and down. There's no way to get around other cars. Everything's just clattering into each other, and you hit the corner, you stop dead. It is not a fun game. When I looked at the reviews, they were like, it was like 6, 7 out of 10, 75%. No, it's terrible. So <laughs> that's not what I would recommend. Um, the other, another one I wouldn't recommend. Sorry for these being so quick, but the, you know, no, this no, is no, no. jurisdiction. The next one is called PGA Tour '97, which again is one of the worst golf games I've ever played. Oh. This is also from the Sega Saturn, and my God, that game loads! It's it loads loads up the like it loads up all the developers, then it loads up the title screen, then you click on that, and then it loads up the menu, and it loads and loads and loads, and it loads between every shot. It loads between oh every comment. They say you you put this put the 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 club back it'll load you hit the ball it'll load it'll cut to where the ball lands uh, where the ball's in the sky it'll load and then it'll land and it'll load and then it'll load the comment about the shot and i thought oh stop loading stop loading for a moment <laughs> um and it just makes the whole thing this awful trudge and this the the killer for the game isn't the loading it's the it sounds the, like a killer blow but yeah go on it is how quickly the meter moves when you make your shot it ah. just flies up and down and like what and there's no way of timing it there's no like finesse and if you make a slightly off shot you'll just like fly off into the trees so it's it, highly it responsive though i mean is there because a lot with a lot of these things where it comes to like having to hit the the button at the right time it's to input lag is an issue like because just going back to Bioshock 2, like oh, yeah. the hacking in that game involves a, a kind of like in a golf game, like um, like this cursor going up and down this uh, this kind of like row of colored tiles. And you've got to hit the button at the right time in order to hack it, in order to hit on the right bit, with, in order yeah. not to set off an alarm, not to hurt yourself or whatever. But I found that for some reason there was just a microsecond of input lag. So regardless, it, you had to like press it just before the right moment. So it's like, well, that's not fair, is it? Because <laughs> like I'm getting it right, but I'm having to cater for the game's uh, like <laughs> lag of responsiveness. It's not so much that case of that with this game. It's just the fact that it's so fast, it's not fun. It's not like you can't. Because yes, when you play stuff like better games like PGA Two on the Mega Drive, yes, there's an element of like getting it. You may get it slightly wrong, but it's it's more about like okay, I've got to hit this at like eighty percent. So it's not always about getting hundred percent in every yeah. shot. So the fact that there's like all the finesse is kind of removed, and it's just a panic of trying to hit the button at the right time, just so it doesn't you don't lose the ball completely, takes out all the kind of finesse of it. So yeah, because the... yeah, because sometimes you know if you're you you choose a particular club but you know that if you hit it full power it's going to go gonna clear careering the beyond the yeah. green um so you hit it like yeah like you say like 80 percent. but if you don't have control over that effectively then <laughs> it kind of takes out that whole element of tactical nous. yeah um, 
so PJ297 is, is probably one of the worst golf games I've ever played. And well, I'm glad you'd warn me off that one because that was going to be my next. <laughs> you're going to buy it. Um, you just want to take the cellophane off. And really quickly, um, the shield on the PS2, I, I ah. don't know enough about it. I'm going to talk about this next time to All go right. into depth. But this was slaughtered upon release, like really slaughtered. And I am convinced it is not as bad a game as people say. So I'm not going to dedicate my life to playing it for a <laughs> bit. Hell. To see what it's actually like. Have you seen so, yeah. the Shield TV series at all? No, I know Michael Chiklis. Like, yeah, Michael Chiklis is in it, isn't he? I he's only know him from fun. Gotham. Uh, he looks like the kind of man who would have been incredibly muscular earlier in life, but it's now more just kind of, you know, like big muscly fat uh, sort oh. of thing. He just looks like a big man now. Does he look like a thumb? Yes, definitely. An enormous, <laughs> swaggering thumb. <laughs> I think I know this episode is going to be titled. (laughs) Uh, So I'm not going to, I know it's come to the two hour mark, so I'm not going to go into the shield. Yeah, I know, because we briefly chatted about this. I know that you were pleasantly surprised by that. So yeah, we'll save that for next time. So um, I know it's getting late, so I'll I'll just, I'll just say that I love you and we'll, we'll do this again soon. We will do this again soon. And yeah, so well, um, New Kino Kingdom on Monday, I'm sure. So yes, yeah, I'll get I'll get in on that, get it up tomorrow, and then the new one on uh, the Kino, Kino Kingdom on Monday, and then we'll probably do another one of these in a week or two. Yeah, and uh, after this, you have to get on the WhatsApp group and find out when we're playing Duke. Absolutely, yes. Okay, love to all and happy gaming. Take care.